All right. Welcome into episode 14. So we are joined today by uh, Ken Okonek. I hope o- I don't. Oconic. Oconic? There you go. I was about to say, I hope I don't mess that up. But this is your friend, Hunter. You know, to a good start. Everyone messes it up. It's good. It's good. I told you it's organic. Straight up. There, well, we can restart, you know, but not no, no. <laughs> This is way better. Yes. I was about to say, I just screwed that up. I already know. It's been a while since I heard your last name. All good. All good. Um, he has a, here he is, a lifelong Alaskan, and he has done some amazing things up here. Um, I got to know him through a company called Avacare. And he became really large in a small town with a distributor model. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, we don't have a huge population. He's grown this large team in a, in a small place, which was pretty incredible. And then he has also transitioned over into um, where he is now at Beacon Marketing and has made a lot of progress really quickly, apparently. Now he's a owner and partner in, I think, less than two years now. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's been pretty incredible. Yeah. So, so welcome on. Thanks. I, I mean, grateful to be here. You know, this is, you know, always amazing to be able to talk business with other like-minded people. You know, you don't always get that, you know, in your local group. And so the more we can do this is better. And so I'm just really grateful to be here. And, uh, and Hunter may have slipped his, it may have slipped his mind, but you also have a podcast yep. and, and he also has his own podcast. Yep. Which is what? And what do you cover? Yeah. So conversations with Ken O'Connick, you know, a little ploy so on words good. there. Um, <laughs> And it's, it's all about relationships. So one of my big theses in life is that the most valuable currency we have is not money. It's not time. It's relationships. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people, they'll say like, you know, time's like the most valuable thing. And I agree. Time is very valuable, but my, my perspective is if you have the right relationship that can 10 X your time, it can hundred X your time. You know, Mm -hmm. if you have the right relationship to point someone in the right direction or maybe get a deal or, you know, work through a referral of something. And so, my whole thing is to build relationships through everything in life. And I mean, it's relationships with yourself, how you talk to yourself, you know, how you treat yourself, how you treat others, how that connects to sales, business, empathy, you know, all the things that I think really apply to like an abundant mindset, like you were talking before we started this. And so my whole thing there is just to spread people's perspective on relationship and how that intertwines in everything. Mm. And you'll get more time, you'll get more money and you'll achieve probably anything you want to achieve if you actually have the right perspective on relationship. I might start listening to that. Just <laughs> I don't even care if we go on it. I just want to listen. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's it's new too. You know, episode fourteen. I think I recorded episode twenty one. So, obviously, cool and exciting. oh, that's a that flex right there. <laughs> no, no, yeah, basically. Yeah, I got. So 21. you're at twenty one. We're at fourteen. Yeah. I think we know how to double up. We're going to go. Every I think week you now. guys got yeah. a little nicer setup than I got though. So I think it, it makes up there. So uh, that is. We didn't even do the shout out. What Thanks to for, oh, that's in the intro. Yeah. First rate studios. That was a little plug for first rate studios. If you yeah. haven't seen it. No, this place is beautiful and incredible. And so, it's yeah, epic. I, I look forward to hopefully delivering and then we can do more. So, um, story. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. How, how'd you get started? What was your, why do you want to become like an entrepreneur? Story, yeah. Cause you are not I know you had some other things going on, you had a, uh, fitness and stuff like that. So you've kind of always done your own thing. It sounds like. Yeah. I, the, Word entrepreneur, I don't even know if I still identify with that yet. Yeah. Um, I think that word has become really attractive for a lot of people. And I just, I don't know even if I would even define myself at that because I don't even know what that really means. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I know when I look at my story and things that I've done is I just have an extreme passion for scaling and bringing things and providing more value for people. You know, if it's a business and a business wants to grow and employ more people because they have a really cool culture, like that's 
that's what I get about, you know? And so like the word entrepreneur, I know people love it and, you know, maybe it can define at that, but I just, I have a hard time identifying with that, I guess, is what I've always thought about. And so it's not anything that people that call themselves entrepreneurs. I respect them. I have many mentors that are entrepreneurs and that's how they define themselves. I just, knowing what that word is, when I see that, I just don't think I'm there yet. And Mm -hmm. maybe I I will be later. I don't know. I think you have that. I think you have an entrepreneur mindset. You solve problems and you grow things. That's what Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs do. If you ask me. Professional helpers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you put it that way, then for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, and and I am always intrigued with new, right? So Mm -hmm. like complacent comfort is a hard place for me to be. And so, yes, I find myself seeking out different, you know, opportunities or options because I like to have full schedules. I like to juggle between multiple different things because that stimulation means a lot for me, both physically and mentally. You know, I have a pretty bad ADHD. And so like having, it's a strength. I right? can't really. It's a strength. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a, to me, it's a, it's a superpower, right? And uh, that helps me be calm on the inside, right? So I might look like I'm busy and doing a lot of other things, but that creates peace on the inside versus, you know, if I'm hardcore going on one thing and only that one thing, the, the angst or the internal pressure I have internally crushes my like soul. Like mm-hmm. I get depressed. Like I could watch, you know, 10 episodes of anything on Netflix. Like if I'm just doing one thing, but then when I find myself getting back into these multiple avenues, it's amazing how much better I feel and how much better I am to people around me, right? Mm-hmm. My wife, my kids, my family, people at work. It just, it's, it's amazing that internal thing. So for me, it's all about like how that makes me feel selfishly internally. Yeah. But luckily I think a lot of people do benefit from that externally. Mm. Mm. That's good. So what, uh, you're working, you're not an owner at Beacon. I you're am an owner. You're I an owner am, now. Yeah, I'm a partner at Beacon. So, okay. uh, you know, started at Beacon March 23rd, 2020. And I only know that day so specific. If for anyone that's in Alaska and they know business, that is a Friday. And that was the day that we shut down COVID pandemic style. Uh-huh. Right? So <laughs> that's when you made partner. That is the day yeah, I started, started on. Started that's okay, the first okay. day that I came on to Beacon. And so, I mean, to get into Beacon, I think it would be pretty beneficial to kind of share a story and then come to how I came to Beacon because mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty unique twist because anyone that knows me, you know, past the last two years, uh, my entire career has been in the fitness world, right? So fitness. And so go from fitnessing to marketing, it might not be completely transferable, but it, it makes the sense. relationship piece though. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that'll probably connect to a lot more things who knows where I'm going to be, you know, 10 years from now, mm-hmm. I might not even be in marketing. I don't know, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting ride for sure. But yeah, so I am a partner and owner in beacon. Um, and it's, it's been awesome. That, so is that not your first business endeavor? How many businesses, when did you start getting, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I'm you avoiding go, entrepreneur now, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So, I mean, I mean, if you look at it like your own LLC business license, you know, my first technical business was in uh, Advocare. It was the first distributor, right? Where I became a distributor, I had my own business, had my own business license, and I was, you know, doing that. But when you look at my career, like in life, I mean, the amount of things I've done and got paid, and I know that sounds like, well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. But I've done a lot of things. Like, <laughs> if it's video games, if it's snowboarding, if it's cutting lawns, like, you know, I, I definitely had that lemonade stand story, you know, as a kid mm-hmm, growing mm-hmm. up. And so when I look back to, like, my life now, it's like, oh, it, it makes more sense, right? Like, I I just always wanted to do something. If I was doing it, I wanted to make money doing it versus just doing it, you know, to do it. Right. Right. There's something about that that was so intriguing. We, I brought this up. I don't need to go in depth on it. But as a kid to realize there was a trade I could make by offering services. So I, that first experience was my, my nephew and brother, we were hanging out for summer and we wanted to go somewhere and do something. We didn't have any money. 
and someone offered me 10 bucks to wash their car and we lived in a cul-de-sac so i went and door knocked everyone in mm-hmm. that cul-de-sac and made 60 bucks in like two hours I'm like hooked right <laughs> i want to do this yeah. right <laughs> the so, concept there i mean that's my story right so the first story that i can think of that was like where and it was more than it was just me and that's where i look back and i'm like okay i, I know what my strengths are i know what my weaknesses are and when I wanted to get a trampoline as a kid, I was into flips and tricks, like what boy, you know, at like 12, 13 isn't mm-hmm. into that kind of right. thing, right? And back then we didn't have all the stuff we have now to distract us. So a trampoline was like the cool thing in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I remember that summer, a military family moved out of the neighborhood we lived in and they, that trampoline went away. And so it was like, there was no more trampoline. And I was like, wanted my parents to get a trampoline. And my parents couldn't afford a trampoline. They're like, job. Yeah, like, you know, you got to do it. And I was 13 years old. And so I got me and Brandon and Logan and shout out to Logan Barrett. If, you know, obviously I know you listen in Logan's kid that I grew up with in, you know, a young age, like first person I can actually remember as a human that I can remember back that was outside of my family. And, mm. uh, we went around and we pulled, you know, the little bit we had together and my dad let me lease like equipment, like rakes, you know, that type of thing. And we went and door knocked. And our goal was to be able to get it in that summer and then have it the next summer. And we got it done in like three weeks. That and is right. Went to Costco, got the trampoline, and then that was a cool place to be. And so that fulfilled a lot for me with that. And I would say that was probably my first like job, you yeah, know, yeah, because yeah. I did that for every summer until I was 16 when I got my very first job in the fitness world, you know, front desk at a gym. But that was my job up to that is literally doing yard work. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like for like a single thing. It was like every summer came around, I was paying my dad to use stuff, lawnmowers, whatever it is. And I just went neighbor knocked and even went to other neighborhoods. It's a little rich dad, poor dad coaching right there. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. So, yeah. So, I mean, born and raised Alaskan, grew up out in the valley. Um, We, you know, went to school out there. And, uh, you know, coming out of high school, I don't know for you guys, but in Alaska, it was like, I want to get the heck out of here. Right. And so uh, money again. So didn't have money to go to school, go to college, which when I grew up, that was like, you got to go to college. You know, my mm-hmm. sister was the first one to graduate college. You got to go to college. You got to do that thing. And so I, uh, I was like, well, I can't afford it. And I'm not smart enough to, you know, to get a scholarship. And so, um, I you know, saw someone that was doing cheerleading in high school and they're like, Oh yeah, I got a full ride scholarship. You should do this cheerleading thing. Didn't care anything about that. I was like, okay, but there was a ticket to be able to get school paid for. So I was like, all right, yeah, let's do that. And so junior year of high school, I picked up cheerleading and learned how to tumble, learned how to do some tricks and stuff like that and applied to snowboarding. So that was cool because I love snowboarding. And uh, yeah, I got a full ride scholarship to Sac State, California. Hey, I know where that's at. (laughs) Yeah. That's where I'm from. Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Uh, I hated it. (laughs) It's not a great school. (laughs) It wasn't, you know, but. And Sac, when you went to school, was still the cow town. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) me, like, so being like kid growing up in the valley, not ever leaving the state one Mm -hmm. time in your life. And then you're like getting out of here. Like, yes, especially the valley. You're like, you just want to get out Mm -hmm. and, you know, get away from this place. I guess at least least the way I It's common. It's common. Yeah, I heard that a lot. Yeah. And hated sack it was hot the people were like so f- like focused on them were relationship like i like I, i'll go to a gas it's a station very different culture uh, yeah. <laughs> and so like one semester in i was like nope you know i mean i get it like i'm losing the scholarship go other things move back 
to Anchorage and love my parents. But I was like, there's no way I had a little bit of money saved up from, you know, things that I was doing. Taste on the of side. freedom. It's like not going. Right. Yeah. Not going back <laughs> to my parents. So rented an apartment here in Anchorage and it just, you know, it started from there. I got a, you know, first job I could get, I got a job at FedEx and, uh, just worked a regular person. And, um, I was playing video games all the time, you know, not really focused on anything cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I almost lost that job. And my boss, which was a great boss manager at the time, like really like got me to look at like a bigger picture in life. It was the first time that someone actually like challenged me. And so he's like, I want you to apply for this leadership position. You got to fly down to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, where FedEx headquarters are. You're going to get this leadership training. You're going to do this. He's like, I see something in you go. And if it weren't for Jeff that did that, Jeff Pfeiffer was the name of my manager there. Um, Still have a great relationship with him now. I mean, that set me off for everything because then I learned leadership mm. and I love leading people. And when people hear leadership, they're like, oh, you like, bot-? no, I mean, I like, you want to control everyone. No, <laughs> all I want to do is, is I want to empower you to be more like that's, if that would be my definition of leadership. Mm. If there's anything I can do to help you get a little bit of progress, take a little step. I don't, it doesn't have to be amazing steps. I don't have to get you to be a millionaire. I just, if I can touch you through that relationship and help you grow you or just speak some life into you, mm-hmm. that's, that's all that matters to me. And so like that leadership train changed everything for me. So came back from that, got in that leadership role, uh, my whole life growing up, I wanted to be into fitness. I loved personal training. My first, you know, real job, you know, I was working at the front desk at Alaska club. Everyone in Alaska knows Alaska club. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the biggest outfit in town. And lo and behold front desk what am I doing is I'm like talking to people like I'm talking to the people coming in how are you doing what are you working out today and so naturally into fitness that's cool filling that relationship role and then you meet these personal trainers right these mm-hmm. guys that are just like working out all day hanging out with people helping them get fit I'm like that that seems cool I can get into that and so um, while working at FedEx I just started like looking for a certification, looking at getting, you know, certified. And this new gym opened up in town. It was called Bottery New Alaska. Most people maybe know that, maybe not, you know, depending. Bottery New is not the place it was when I first started there. Mm-hmm. Alaska Club Zones, you know. A part of them. Yeah. Which actually helped with that transaction, the Wasilly River location. That's a whole other story. But. Okay. I was like, did I steal your thunder there? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so, um, what happened at, you know, so Botternew came in, and I, I knew nothing about Botternew at the time, but I knew I wanted to be a personal trainer. And so I ha- wasn't certified, and I wanted to get into this. And um, I went and, you know, met the, the owner, um, one of the owners, there was two owners at the time. And uh, he was like, he's like, I was like, I can't afford the certification, but I really want to do this. And I don't know what he saw in me, but he, he you know, he paid for my certification. Wow. Mm. and started working at Botternew. I was working at the Alaska Club part-time, working at Botternew part-time, and it was just amazing, the relationship, right? Engaging with these people, helping these people, motivating them. There was, it was starting to check off so many boxes for me, and so I left the Alaska Club, and I was all in Botternew. And, you know, what Botternew did for me was probably one of the biggest impactful shifts in how I looked at what I could do in life because it was the first time I tasted the benefit of you get what you put in. Right. Mm-hmm. So personal training, you're only getting paid when you're training. Right. And if you're not training, you're not getting paid. So it made sense. Like, okay, so I get make $11 a session. I train 10 sessions. I make that much. Well, if I train 20, I make this much. Well, what if I train two people at a time, three people at a time, four people at a time? 
And so really quickly, you know, I went from being just this trainer, not knowing a lot, but looking at helping people through relationships. And I liked, I mean, who's not motivated by money? I mean, people say they're not, but I call them liars. Like you are, you just, it makes it way more fun. Right. Like there's a little carrot, you know? Right. And so, um, I just started training and I started training like 270 sessions a month. And like the next person was training like 90 sessions a month. So I was like almost doing three times the amount of sessions they were doing. And I was making good money. You know, I was 19, I think at the time, and I was making like 70 K for a 19 year old. And like, to me, that was like, Hey, like this ain't bad. Heck yeah. I would have loved to make that at 19. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And so I was like, okay, FedEx, love you. Bye. You know? And then I went all in there and I did that for a brief period of time. But the fitness, fitness industry, if anyone knows anything about it, it, there is, it is so catabolic like when it comes to turnover you like if you go to a gym you see 20 new front desks in a month like i mean that's an exaggeration but there's always just new people there there's mm-hmm. never people that stay and so in the time which that transition from never training a session to training like 270 sessions was like about an 18 month two-year period of time and i was so tired of a different manager and a different manager and a different manager because training you're not in a leadership role but at fedex i was in a leadership role so i Mm -hmm. knew what it meant to be a leader i knew what it meant to grow Mm -hmm. something special and so the manager and slash owner of that area was like listen you got to get into management you got to get into management you got to get into management so i did and that was the next thing you know getting in leading a team and growing a team and that's when i knew that i was like one, there was a lot of like profit sharing and stuff like that. So you started to taste like this ownership thing. You're like, wait, so if I do this, I can get this. And if mm-hmm. I get this team to do this, I get that. Mm-hmm. And so that expanded again, my motivation. And, you know, that led me to Advocare, you know, because being in the fitness world, you can train people all day long. You can get them to even do all the workouts, but if they don't watch what they're putting in their mouth, nothing changes. Yeah. Right? It's like the 80% of your, your, uh, your physique has to do more in the kitchen, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tell people it's a hundred and a hundred cause you can eat great and not do anything and you, you overeat good food and it's still bad. Right. You know, people manipulate that all the time. You got to do both and you yeah. do it equally, but you're right. It's, it's, it's heavily nutrition. And so opportunity, I'm like, if I'm going to do something new and want to get paid to do it. And so I found a direct sales company called Advocare. The owners were really interested in it. They brought it, you know, they were one of the ones that really motivated us to get into it. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to sell anything unless I try it myself. Let's try it myself. I got great results. Felt great. I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to do this with my clients. And I'm going to paraphrase because this is a six years journey through doing this with them. But yeah. um, I went from like my goal was to make $500 a month to mm-hmm. in the first month I made $5,000. And I was mind blown by that. I was like, wait, I just made five grand just like helping people like buy products and get better results. And so... I just started sharing what I was doing with anyone that had a pulse and fogged a mirror. And it was amazing how many people we were helping. You know, our team was like 100 people, and then it was 300 people, and then it was 1,200 people, and then it was like got up to like 25,000 people, you know, spread out. And a lot of that was Alaska customers, but there was plenty of people like, you know, someone knows someone in SAC or someone knows someone else somewhere else, and they Mm -hmm. get it going. And it, it afforded a life that I never thought existed, right? Even at the ownership level, you know, at Bottery New of earning income like that and doing the things on the side of my own, never did I understand traveling. Never did I understand true freedom, right? Mm. Like true freedom is going to a Costco on a Wednesday, right? Mm. At 10 a.m. <laughs> and no one there, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, that's true, good. That's so practical. Right. <laughs> true freedom was like no. living a life you wanted to live, not a life that you thought you wanted to live, mm-hmm. that you were like, no, I want to go do that. And you mm-hmm. just go do it. Right? Yeah. People think they want to go do things, but then they go back to doing what they're doing. Right. 
And it's because I was seeing people making money around me that it just wasn't existing. Like people making a hundred K a month and that's like more than most people make in a year. And so mm-hmm. I was like, all right, there's something bigger here. And yeah, as always, I'm yeah, like, I want to think on that level too. I just, the, the way your mind starts changing the things that matter and stop mattering and the, the, uh, capacity that you gr- grow when you're talking about those concepts. I think that's, that's more attractive to me than the money that you're making at that right. point. And, it, and that's what it comes to, right? So, you know, growing in that income and getting to a place where you're making more money in a month and you're making in a year, it, it, at some point it stops becoming about the money. Right. Right. The process is way more important than the prize. Mm-hmm. And once you get addicted to that, I mean, it, you can do anything. Yeah. Like, I believe that. You can do mm-hmm. absolutely anything because it, it the the process is going to reward you well over it, right? And when you look back even into personal training, when you look back, it was the process of what I was doing that was rewarding me, not the mm-hmm. actual income. Even though at the time, because I needed money, it was the motivating factor. Right, right. But if, fast forward, you know, to where I am now, like, I am not motivated money like I was then. It's good to make more money, and I like that. But the process is going to reward me as much as I put into the process. Mm-hmm. That pivot from from a poverty to a wealth mindset, too, that's so... It's freeing. It's very freeing. It's very freeing. You know, and I, I again, and I don't want to, like, slight that money's not important because, I mean, everyone needs money. It makes the world go around. But, you know, the one thing I want people, and I talk, many people that I coach and mentor is I talk to them about, Money is not evil, but people make it evil mm-hmm. because they don't have a lot. And so it's a, it's an easy cop to say, oh, it's evil. And my, my pivot to that is it's not evil. Money is a magnifying glass of your core. Mm-hmm. And the more you have money, the more you at the core of who you can go do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if, you, if it makes you evil, then you got to look inside and right. heal what's going on inside. And then that will affect everyone around you outside. Yeah. I've said this before. I completely agree, 100%. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I just like putting that out there because I think sometimes people villainize money, and I just stop. You know, I yeah. mean, normalizing, like you were saying, like how do you normalize making 100K a month? You start talking about it, and you start squashing it anytime you hear someone say anything other than that. And so right. it's just, for me, that's really important to put that mindset into anyone that's listening into that because stop making it evil because it's not. Well, that was a, there's a, a podcast I like, and the guy was talking about how he had, after whatever it was, 30 years, finally bought a six-figure car. Mm. And people were, like, scoffing at him for it. He's like, but they don't know that I donated a million dollars, and that was a fraction of what I made that year. Right. You're thinking in a different context than I am. And it's like, I want to have those problems, you know? Yeah. I want to think like that because it, it's so interesting to see like you were talking about the freedom, it starts exposing the things that you're chained to right. or you're holding on to that you don't realize. Right. And I, I, and again, you know, anyone that wants to villainize anyone for doing anything, like I, they just don't understand. Right. And, and, and what I try to do is like, you know, everyone's going through something, right? Even that person that's got the car, you know, that got that and maybe they gave away money or not. Like, you don't know, they got struggles, they got things. And for you to jump in their life and be like, oh, they got a nice car, you know, must be nice or whatever. Like, dude, check your own radar. Right. Like, well, that's something you can have. Like me, I was I was making the most money I made my entire life four years ago. No, three years ago. How long have I been in real estate? Three years. Three Going years. on four? Yeah. I think three. My yeah. goodness. It's been so fun. <laughs> uh, but ha- starting from scratch again. So 
I am not living the lifestyle you're living. It's still in that startup phase and and more so trying to keep my my uh, income creep down, you know, because mm-hmm. it's investor focused. Mm-hmm. But that was something someone said to me is the difference between a, a poverty mindset and a wealth mindset is that wealthy are never broke. They're mm-hmm. just in between income. Right. So it's th- that mindset and my perspective that came from that. I live in Mountain View in a fourplex and I drive a beater. It may be a nice model of car, but people don't know how I got into that, that, that car. I didn't pay any money for that car. Right. I was very strategic about how I, how I looked for that car. So the, what you see on Instagram, what you see driving around, I mean, when you start looking at the stats of how many people are living paycheck to paycheck. Oh yeah. It's, it's unreal. But he's not, (laughs) yeah, not that thing. It's a tool. It's you're exactly right. You know? And so, and that, I mean, you talk about that, so it kind of gives into that, and I'll get into, like, some of the failure, right? You wanted to talk about failure. Mm-hmm. Not for the sake of failure, but there's lessons, and we want to yeah. we want to expose yeah. that uh, everyone has failure. There is the average person, the majority of business owners and entrepreneurs, which, I mean, it's just, like, the way you, you think about it. things. You can, you're you an can entrepreneur, man. Like, <laughs> you can you, the, just that one person in our training to two people seeing those concepts and be able to maximize your time and be more efficient. Like, right. No, I, I get it. I get it. I still, I just, I look and know like a mentor of mine, you know, they make millions of dollars per month and they have their hand in, you know, 12 different things every day, but that's 12 of their 33 things, right? Like to me, that's entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm You're just, just not at that level I'm yet. That's that okay. Business. I know, I know, I know. I got, I got things I got to work on too. We all do, right? <laughs> so, but you're right. Failure is like, to me, there's always lessons in it, and it's not like I optimistically going around like, God, I want to fail today. Like that's never, no. that's never the goal. But, but it's that perspective shift, right? And so let's, I'll go to. There's just certain dates that are burned in my brain, right? So we're doing Advocare um, along that time in Advocare, and this will go to the Alaska Club thing, like we were talking about earlier, is not even really trying, right? You know, I did my thing at Bottery New. Was there for nine years. I was the, you know. We grew it from the one place to 13 locations, you know, a couple down in the States. I'm overseeing the entire company. I was the regional manager, so I was overseeing everything. I was traveling to Oregon to, you know, check on those locations. And it got to a point where I didn't have enough time, right? And I had to focus. Loved what I did at Botternew. Botternew was an amazing place, one of the best places, you know, because I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for Botternew. Yeah. But... I had to go all in on Advocare. Like, I mean, the income that was there, the freedom that was there, I was like, I just, I can't commit to 60 hours a week doing this when I can make twice or three times a month for 20 hours a week or 30 hours a week here. There's just more leveraged time over here to be able to take advantage of. And so in that, I did that. But for anyone that knows anything about direct sales incomes, you are a 1099 business owner. So you have your own business. You have all the facades of a business, but you don't have full control, right? There's a board, there's a company that's making decisions and you're getting to go through the lens of the decisions that they're putting into place. And on, yeah, and I'm not, I mean, we could have a whole nother podcast. I'm not getting into the details of it, but the SEC just deemed what, what Advocare was doing as not being the best for the distributors. And really it was just a difference in perspective of how things were set up internally within the system and distributors were doing the best by their customers to gaming the system, but it made the, their model look poor. Mm-hmm. And so in two weeks, I went from making more than I was making a year and a month to cutting 97% of my paycheck. 
just because of how the company had to change it based on what the SEC did. It takes a big gasp of air. <laughs> Especially after you leave the one job you've been doing for nine years and you... Man. You, you lose did 97. I make a mistake? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it was that period of time. It was like about 18 months. Luckily, I had a job at the Alaska Club because the Alaska Club saw everything I was doing at Bottery New. They saw what I was doing in the nutrition coaching world. They like So many people were talking about different things that were connected to me. I ended up meeting with the CEO of them and they're like, hey, we want you to revamp our personal training program. So I at least had that going for me, right? So I had this other job that I was kind of consulting them on and it was going good. Like we were growing that PD department. I mean, in a period of one year, we increased the revenue of that department, net income revenue of like $300,000, which the PD department in the last club's not that big. And so that was a huge growth. It was like a, you know, a 70% growth above their bottom line. But here's what's crazy is they jumped from having like 20 employees in the department to 60 with still that net growth. That's what you want to do. So you go, yeah, your your bottom line. Yeah. You triple your employees (laughs) and increase that much revenue. And again, that's where it's like, so cool. It's like providing that many jobs for that people, especially in like a personal training world. That's a hard world to get started in. It's challenging. Again, like we just talked about some of the challenges that were connected to it. So that was really awesome. Right. So that helped bridge the gap and, yeah, I mean, I helped with the Bottery New to Alaska transition nine years at Bottery New. helped with all that. So that was an interesting thing. They don't own the, the South one still, you know. If you oh, know really? I, mean. I thought it was. No. Oh, that's interesting. No, no. And, and again, I mean, I'm not going to get into the details. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've been very intimately connected into that world. But they do, they owned and transitioned the Eagle River and Wasilla locations, right? And then Midtown went out of business and South is still there. The Body Renew on South? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the heck, man? They literally, I was going to go work out there, and they literally said Alaska Club bought us out and changed our prices, so we bumped up. At the South Club? At the Body Renew on Old Seward yeah. by 100th. When was that? Uh, Pre-COVID. Again, I'm not I'm saying not, you're yeah, lying. No, I'm no, saying no. I'm upset because I should have gone in and talked to someone. Right. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, always again, taking <laughs> maybe one of your listeners might know more than I do because, again, I've been removed from that. I just I know when I was at the Alaska Club, I helped with the transaction with the Eagle River and Wasilla location. That's such an interesting. Uh, yeah. We don't have to talk about that now, but I want to see what that looks like on the back end, just how that structure. Oh, yeah. it was. It's an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. It uh, Net win for all the Bottery New members because they ended up getting an amazing facility for a great rate. Mm-hmm. You know, put the owners of Bottery New, which were in a bad situation, you know, did that. And then Alaska Club ultimately benefited from it because Planet Fitness was opening up in Eagle River and Wasilla and they hadn't opened yet, right? And so that's their main demographic. Now they have one and two. Right, yeah. but, but they were able to get an Alaska Club membership for a Planet Fitness price. So Planet Fitness got, you know, raked over the coals mm-hmm. opening up because... You know, you're going to pay $15 for a Planet Minute. I need to go $15? check around now because I don't think I got the, the right information if they're competing <laughs> with Planet Fitness. <laughs> right. So anyways, you know, all those things to be said. And then on August or in December of 2019. So in June of 2019, I lose 97% of our advocate income. J- December 2019, the Alaska Club walks in. I'm just walking in and did a normal day, and they're like, hey, we're not happy with the direction of the department. Today's your last day. <laughs> no wow. verbal, no written. No, that, that was verbal. Like that verbal, no re- person. Yeah, that was the first you heard that was coming, though. Yeah, There's I came none. in looking at what I was expecting to get a pretty big net bonus check at the end of the year based on revenue growth. <laughs> they're and like, we need that in our budget. <laughs> 
I'm not going to get into nuance of what their Politics, decision was yeah. ma- there. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, when you go to the two years where I am now, I'm so glad it happened. You know, I really am. But mm. in that moment, that's rough. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so I was like, crap. You know, so, I mean, not only did I just lose one major income source, now I just lost the second major income source. And at the time, my wife was managing a lot of internal things, going to school for a master's, so she wouldn't even have a job. She hadn't had officially worked a job in, you know, same full years. So to come home that day, and now the only income we have is residuals through some other, like, small things we do, affiliate marketing, that type of thing, and um, rentals, you know, which rentals is a long-term game, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, at my age, you don't have rentals, and it'd be like that's your main income, you know, unless you're, you know, a savant, which I'm not. Um. But so, yeah, I mean, talk about failure, right? And so long story short, 16 years in the fitness industry, I needed to change. The fitness industry, especially in Alaska, I was done with, you know. And so I made a list of 25 people that I respected and cared about and and liked. And I called every single one of them, you know, after that happened. And I was like, hey, I'm changing careers. I want to have a conversation with you. Just point me in a direction, you Mm -hmm. know, because these are people I respect. These are people I know. And so took coffees, went to lunches, did that. And uh, one of my clients that was the assistant superintendent for the school district here, her name was Rhonda Gardner. I helped her lose 290 pounds over a period of 18 wow. months. And I uh, respect her a lot. And she was like, you got to talk to my girlfriend, Jen, who runs a marketing company. Ken, you would be amazing at marketing. And I had never really considered marketing to be a thing. And so I checked him out online, started looking at him like, this looks like a pretty cool gig. And, you know, they're doing pretty cool stuff here, you know, and they're all about, you know, creating, you know, digital marketing and big business marketing to small to medium businesses. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, that's cool. And so I met her for lunch, you know, 30 minute coffee ended up being like two and a half hours. That's, that's a good sign. Yeah. Good sign. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so they invited. So, and when I was getting with Jen and the way Rhonda made it, she was like, it's marketing, but she has all these connections, all these things. She's going to be able to get you to the right place. I'm like, all right, yeah, let's go do it. And so she invited me in to, you know, just, ha- you know, let's see the meeting, meet the team, see what we're doing. And it was like a three hour, like brainstorm meeting of some of their clients talking through things. And it was awesome. Like we're talking different businesses, different business KPIs, their profit, their loss, how are they getting conversions? Like mm-hmm. it ended up being like, you know, a heyday for me, like just talking business. And I was like, this is pretty sweet. Huh. And so I was like, all right, what, what are we going to do? Let, let's do this. And, uh, Adrian, the other partner that lived in Reno at the time, hadn't even met her yet, just did that meeting, met with them. I was like, all right, I want to do this. Like, what, no, let's do something. And they were like, well, we we can't afford anything right now. You know, business is tight. This whole pandemic thing that's starting out, I don't know how that's going to go. And I'm like, I, I was like, I don't care. Like, I'll take a commission check. Like, I'll, I can sell. I can do that. You guys want to get more clients? The pandemic's going to be weird. Like, just, like, bring me on for commission, and then we'll talk about stuff later. And they're like, all right, cool. So I took, like, a heavy commission. So glad I did. Mm. Because, I mean, we're living in a digital world now more than ever. And what do businesses need when they don't have storefronts or brick and mortar? Right. They need digital. They need online. Right. So, yeah, the company took a massive jump. You know, we, you know, talk numbers. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how detailed you guys get on that. But it, it took a massive jump. Like, they were doing, like, less than a million you know, the first year I was there, we did well over a million, almost two. The second full year, we hit just shy of four. And I'm, I'm sure we'll do six this year. Wow. Probably. 
Massive growth. That's a pretty cool. I want to see that on a graph. Just <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a numbers guy. So like any metric that you could talk about, like, you know, their average client was paying $500 a month. Okay. Well now our average pay is paying $5,500 per month. Right. You know, the average new clients they were getting per month were one to two. Now, you know, now we're getting three to five. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just this massive growth curve. Right. And the reason why Jen and Adrian are such amazing business owners is they are so humble to who they are and just never assuming like they know anything and just completely open to multiple perspectives. Like we could hire on, you know, we're hiring on a couple of new people right now. The brand new person's perspective to that company is just as important as mine, who's been a huge contributor to the growth of it. And Mm -hmm. that is a cool thing to be in once you actually get to experience it. Obviously, your hiring has to be on point, right, to find the right people because you don't want to bring in the wrong perspective. But when you get the right person, you bring it in. It's pretty cool. And so, yeah, and so became a partner, you know, just last year, June of last year. That was the goal, you know, obviously as things going and I was liking it and they were obviously liking it because their first day was the day of the pandemic and businesses are shutting <laughs> so down. So why didn't you make them more money? <laughs> right, right. You know, and so and now the whole goal is just to continue to grow what we're going, you know, and grow a culture company. That's why we describe ourselves as a culture company, you know, and um, it's not really about, the, the money, it's more about creating something special, mm. you know, you know, Beacon as a company, I first benefits better than, you know, any regular, you know, corporate job that I've seen, you know, and we're 22 employees and we offer flex Fridays, completely work from home schedules. We provide all the digital, we buy you, your, you know, your computer, you know, whatever setup you need to do all that. And you get to work from home mm. and do great work. That's uh, this is going after Heather. Yes. Yes, Reading Right. Heather Walton, uh, the owner of Reading Right Alaska, was on talking about that yesterday. Just the the outside of the box way that people and it's it's more common in the lower forty eight. And I hate comparing contrasting because there's this animosity, um, <laughs> which okay. I think is fun and and it's I I laugh at it. I like to poke fun because I get to play on both sides. He's from California and he he gets poked on. That's all. I don't get picked on. I pick on myself first. So people, I'm here for a reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, love, love California. Just, uh, it's yeah, it, it, the, the concepts that are being chewed on and applied into business could help alleviate so much pain. And a lot of the issues I I've seen since I've been here, especially in the business world, obviously we're focusing on business here. Um, but that abundance mindset, the, the putting your money where your mouth is, if you care about, if you care about people, then it's going to take, it's going to cost you something and it's probably going to hurt at times. Right. But if you care about money and you do it for money, you're probably going to have a very hard life. You're going to go through a lot more pain, a lot more often, and you're going to hurt people, right. <laughs> both clients and employees, and burn bridges. Right. You know, if that body renew person didn't pay for your, if they had that scarcity mindset, like, no, you go buy your right. your, uh, your membership. I wonder what that have, would have done to your trajectory. Right, my mindset. It, yeah. It, but it, I mean, it changed, you know, everything, you know, and that's, that's the entire goal, right? You know, we have some statements like, People over profit is a statement we say a lot in the yeah. company, right? I, I truly value people over profit. And I think if you value people appropriately, profits will come. Right. Right. And it's not saying we don't care about surviving and making right. it. Because if you care about people, the profit 
Right. Means you care about more people and you give them more money. Right. That's that. <laughs> and just how, again, how humble and transparent they are. You know, we have a quarterly meeting every single quarter and we go over the numbers like this, is how much we brought in, this is how much we spent, this is how much we made. Like, you know, we show all those things and obviously there's profit sharing, all those other things that come along with it. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing when you're that transparent with every employee. You know, I've been in places and I've been, you know, worked at jobs for many, many years where you're like, don't tell anyone anything. Don't tell them how much you made. Yeah. Don't, like, yeah. And it's just not the way to do it. You know, because there's enough information in this digital world that we live in. They're going to go figure it out if they're asking the question. So you might as well be the one to give them the answer first, and they'll go find the answer on themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't want them to go see that job advertisement that's paying higher than they're getting making. So exactly right. Yeah, that's the that's the the shady stuff you don't want happening. And and that's you know that's our entire goal. You know, digital marketing is incredibly competitive, and so our entire initiative is to pay 15% above the market average. You know, and that which obviously helps when you pay people more money, but when you're running a successful company that's really doing good things inside and out, it allows for those things to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, even like we did something super cool as we signed up for like this mental health program, you know, because the pandemic was rough on people, you know, regardless of what your perspective is, right. You know, if you don't believe in it, it hurt your business or you do believe in it and you lost people like it's rough. I don't care how you look at it. And um, we had a lot of people that suffered, you know, for different, you know, reasons. And we, we went out and hired it where, yeah, if you want to go, you can talk to someone twice, you know, a month to help with that. Like, I don't know a small business that does that. Mm. Like not at all for everyone. It's not just like, Oh, this one person has this one thing. We're doing this one person. It's like, Hey, everyone, just so you know, this, everyone has this now. And it's not just a, you know, Hey, Hey, I'm making strides. It's actually, you mean it. Right. Well, Plus, everyone says they have great customer service. Everyone says they care about their employees. Everyone says they have a great work environment. Everyone says it's like everyone says, but it's not happening. And people don't do. Right. Like that's the, there's a gap. And I, for whatever reason. I think over the next five years, that will be something that will be exposed more and more and more. In well, high- you can't, you're, you're going to be exposed <laughs> right. because the people that get it. Right. are doing it and right. they're going to get your employees or your clients. Right. And, and from the, the B2B, you know, us agency to other agencies, things that we've done differently is like, we just want to be anti-agency. Like, oh yeah, you know, people require your commitment. We do month to month. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like that type of thing. Oh, people Tear require down walls, like, defense, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. People want to have a 60 day cancellation. Guess what? We don't offer it. You know, you want to cancel. Here's your money back for last month too. You know, mm-hmm. it, and it's amazing. Like, yes, these things cost money, but it's crazy what it attracts when it's disruptive like that. Right. You know? mm-hmm. It's so, yeah, you come, especially with like the change of the sales cycle and the opposition to a salesperson and that whole sales process. You're, you're just people come guarded and, and they have their defenses up and to, to say something like that and do it right. The brand loyalty that you get from that, that was something when I used to work at Oakley, I loved that I could stand behind that brand as an employee. They took care of me. They offered a great product and that meant I could, they gave us the freedom to make calls on the floor when people would bring stuff in. There's so many times we would replace stuff or repair stuff that, we weren't supposed to necessarily, or it was just free. But when you have, it erodes trust to trust a company and give them your money and then them not follow right. through or, or have some sort of fine print. We're like, ha we got you. Right. 
that's just uh yeah you know and it's trust is funny too you know it's i think of relationships but like you know how long does it take for you to build a repro- like trust with your spouse or your significant other and say you do something wrong it, you could have built trust for three years you do something wrong for 15 minutes mm-hmm. it's gone yeah. right and the same thing applies to businesses with their employees mm-hmm. and that's maybe help me understand this more because i was like you can't ever fail you can't ever mess up but then i realized that i'm a human and i'm gonna do that and the difference between a person who cares about people and someone who's focused on money is they're going to do the right thing. And when they fail, they're going to make it right. Yeah, I think it's all about framing, right? I think you got to prime people for failure, especially in the workplace, because mm-hmm. no one wants to fail. Like, again, I still don't want to fail. Right. But it, if it's you inevitable. The, though. But if you have the right perception on failure, it changes your perspective yeah. on how you react to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do is we try to give freedom to fail, right? We're going to push so hard that, you know, or we want you to push so hard that you fail about 10 to 15% of the time, right? Right. I'm not saying I'm going to go out and reward you for failing. But Normalize if you, <laughs> it a little bit. But yeah. if you do fail, then we want to talk about it. And then, you know, I always have the phrase, use it or lose it, right? So whatever you fail on, use it for a positive and then lose it. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes failure kind of stings, right? It resonates yeah. for a long time. And so we want to, again, normalize that and get people to use it. And then you got to lose it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have a use-lose you know, you know, conversation every single client with every single employee every single week. Where did you fail? How'd you use it? How'd you lose it? You mm-hmm. know, And have you lost it? Because we got to get rid of that if everyone's doing it. Because on scale, 22 people feeling even 10 or 15% of the time, it's a lot of fires you're putting out. But those fires do tend to create innovation or opportunity that gets us to move pivot in a way that puts us ahead of the competition, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Instead of people walking on eggshells, because right. if they fail, the shame from you bringing right. this harsh, yeah. And th- and if you teach them right, they're never going to make that mistake again. Exactly right. And there's so many other benefits that come along. <clears throat> it. I mean, as you're saying it, like you're talking about, like that harsh feedback. Yeah. Like when someone fails and they're like, dude, Ken, I messed up. Like get a call and they like pitch something wrong to a client, you know, and I, you told me to fail. I'm like, that's awesome. Great work. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? Seriously? You're supposed yeah. to beat me up. Right. And I'm like, no, that's awesome. Okay. So what, okay. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's use it. How are you going to use it? How are you going to lose it? And then be gone. Not only do you reward them to not be afraid, you grow confidence in a way that's it's so transcendent in their development. Again, mm-hmm. back to the leadership thing. I just want people to grow. I want mm-hmm. people to be a little more, not a lot more, just a little more. And when you can get someone to step outside their comfort zone, and then when they do it right, mm. that is a profound thing, right? Mm-hmm. They come to you, then they're... Right, well, they yeah. come to you and they're like, you know, Ken, I did this and it didn't work, you know, but maybe they did something. And I'm like, you did exactly what I'd have done. Awesome job, give me a high five. <laughs> Confidence... I mean, that's another intangible that's really hard to change, but mm-hmm. normalizing that and then rewarding that in the right way with the right framework. Mm. And the loyalty and trust you develop, man, that to, to move when things are are hard and, and going fast and all of that, to, to have that core in your in your employees. Right. And I mean, I just, I mean, I, I'm going to make sure our whole team listens to this, you know, obviously once I get it, but like <laughs> we... Uh, we just, I mean, we just pretty much grew a new skeletal system and we're going to over the next year because we just signed a, a big client. We just signed a mental health client named Ellie Mental Health and they have a hundred franchises and wow. we're representing, it's a franchise marketing deal, right? So we're representing the franchise, but then all the franchisees 
Independently. In, yeah. In, oh, two for in perpetuity as they grow. Wow. Out, right. And so just even onboarding this client and then dealing what we've had through the last six months. Cause I mean that, that client could be, you know, half the size of the entire business. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but just to see how fast we've moved and grooved through that in this transition and to see how people have come together. Right. Cause this type of thing can really divide people or you could have people and be emboldened and, mm-hmm. and, and double down. And it's been that. And so I think it's a really a lot of the things we've been talking about that's allowed them to achieve that. Mm. But it's, it's just incredible. Like those people are going to trust you. And then they also, you know, they're going to feel that they can come to you with anything at that point, whether it's, they don't have to just come to you with just the wins to get your approval. They can come to you with anything, right. ideas, etc. you know, ideas, good, bad. You know, that's yeah. the thing is no bad, no idea is a bad idea, right? Yeah. You know, just, I mean, cause it doesn't mean we have to execute on it. You know, if you execute on a bad idea and then we have a different, you know, conversation, but you're right. And then even like the personal stuff, right? Especially in this digital world. I mean, half of what we operate, right, is across mm-hmm. Zoom and, you might communicate more, you might see face to face more, but it's not the same as this, right? Face to face. And so figuring out how to break down those layers of, of value with them and then getting them to come to you when they need you. Because I think another part that plays into it too is change happens, right? People change, you know, the company's changing, right? And who we are right now versus where we might be two years from now might change a little bit. And with that change, we need to be humble enough to know, like, do we need to walk away from a relationship with an employee? Mm Mm-hmm. And them being open enough to come to us and then have that conversation versus an employee that's unhappy and stay on for six months or a year before you offboard them as a small business, because sometimes that's hard. And then they stay on hating life. Like, because yeah, of what? Fear of retribution, fear of that, like, right. whatever it is. I, my whole point, too, is like when we're trying to grow anything in Beacon, it's, it's I want to make you a better human, not a better Beacon Knight. You know, like, I don't want you to. Yeah, whether you stay here or go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And so I want to normalize, like, it's okay. Like, <laughs> I want you to feel as good about the day that you came on to Beacon as the day you left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we talk about that so people can feel that way if they come to us, which we've lost some people in the growth, which is right. totally fine. But that growth, that loss, you know, gives new life to a new opportunity, which has always been a net win for the company. And, you know, every single one of those has been a net win for them. You know, yeah, I mean, thinking about failure at the last club, it just made me think, like, I mean, I, I'm so thankful I got fired from the last club. Yeah. It's the first time I've yeah. been fired in my life, but I am so thankful. To think that I make more now in a two-week paycheck than I did in an entire month there, I mean. And Those I was, kicks in the butt sometimes. <laughs> like, no parachute, you, no. And it made you do something wild, you know. You are like, hey, I need, a, I need help. I'm going to reach out to everybody and figure out who I can get help from. Right, because it's hard to ask for help. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to be vulnerable, especially the more you achieve, you know, if you feed into your own ego at any point, which we've all have, you know, you're liars if you haven't. Um, It's hard to ask for help. Mm -hmm. But the more that you realize asking for help is a strength and a weakness. um, And you obviously know who you're asking and what you're asking. It it, it will grow you in ways that you will be very thankful for the challenge once it came to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have no idea how they're going to help you either. You're just like, hey. I'm in a situation, <laughs> right? Yeah. In place of our question, because he's already answered yeah. the, the biggest failure, I'm curious as a lifelong Alaskan and someone who sees the value of abundance mindset and being a excellent leader in every way, putting putting your employees first and people over profit. If there was someone that was not in the place you are at Beacon, but they they want to be, they're trying to figure out how to start moving in that direction. 
what what would you say to that person? What would you have them focus on first off? And then what anything encouraging? Yeah. Everyone's different. And I think understanding that you're different, right? So this is me, this isn't you, but you got to make it for you. And so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of checklists. I'm not a huge list person, but I do like a qualifier of a checklist, right? So like if I'm going to make a transition, I need to make a checklist. And so sometimes in a lot of the checklists for the decisions in my life, I have some similarities, but then others are unique specifically to that. So if your checklist is like, okay, I need to, I need to change in my life. If I need to get healthier, I want to change my job. I want to start a new business. You need to make a checklist to, for launch basically. Right. Mm. So if you, you got a yes or no, like, does this give me energy or does it take away energy? Yeah. You know, if, if it gives you energy, all right, that's a good check. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't, then mm, that's maybe not the direction you want to go. Right. You know, then does this, does this add value to this? You know, so does this add value to my family? That's, you know, an important thing for a checklist that when I'm doing decisions right now, is this mm. adding or, you know, taking away value. And so I'll make a checklist for me of my requirements, you know, and I need enough more yeses than nos on that checklist before I take the decision essentially. And so. And you have to be honest with yourself. Very exactly. honest. You might be like, eh, maybe there's no maybes. <laughs> well, if you know my personality and yeah. I encourage more people to be this way, I'm not a scale of one to 10 person. You're like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, I'm like a zero one person. It's like either you do it or you don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always told people if you like, I'd always ask them like on a scale of one to 10, you know, how important is this to you? And they say seven. I'm like, okay, well then you're a one because if you're not a 10, you're a one. Mm -hmm. There's no in between. You either do it or you don't. Yeah. And I know that's hard and scary to live that way, but the minute you do, and I don't care what it is, you will become, you'll get your own self goosebumps when you make a decision. It ends up being a good one, or even it's a bad one, because if you use it and lose it, you still have shown progress in a positive way. Mm -hmm. That yeah. analysis paralysis thing, you don't ever move. Like if you're focused on failing, right? Yeah. And what I was saying is you're, and you're being true to yourself. Right. Like, and you have to own up to those mistakes when you do make them, so... But it's still true to yourself. But there's not as much fear. Yeah. Like it doesn't, the failure doesn't have as much weight when you're in that culture, when you're treating yourself like that, because you can't treat other people like that if you aren't. Well, yeah. And that's, that's a really good point, right? Like you have, like, it's the whole like airplane crashing mentality, right? You got to put your air mask on before you put anyone else's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we get stuck in this, this, this world where we, we show so much how we give and we got to, you know, get, it's more important to, you know, take care of the person next to you. But if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I, we're all humans and we're all a little selfish. And so if you just know what your checklist is for your own, you know, good, your own, you know, air mask, then you can start putting other air masks on other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the one, my favorite analogy of that is you can't pour from an empty cup. So, right. You know, and the thing too is, is like, if you, like, I've always used the phrase four walls, like if your four walls aren't good, like if your family isn't good, your friend, like your, your spouse isn't good, you can't go like pour into someone else. There's a lot of people out there that are like, you know, public successes, but private failures. Yeah. If mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And to mm -hmm. me that, that doesn't resonate with me. And if that's good with you, you love your career, but your family's suffering like all day long, like that, that I just can't, I don't connect with that. And I have nothing against you. It's mm -hmm. just, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but you know, guys know Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes. Mm -hmm. Love Gary V. Honestly, there's not a lot of people that I subscribe to when it looks like listening to content or, you know, I'm very guarded with the imp input that I take in because it creates my output. Right. And, uh, I did, like, it was something that I kind of hesitated for a second. I just thought they got a divorce. 
I don't know. Wow, I didn't know, I know that. Got, it literally just happened. Huh. He's dating some 20-year-old, like, model. Oh, I didn't know that he was married. I thought that was just... No, he, no, no, he's, no, no. Like, wow, he's always Gary? kept his his his, his private, life, like, very quiet. Yeah, yeah. like his kids and stuff. And no, like, I did see that post, and I, I think Gary Vee is amazing. Like I do, I'm not saying anything about it. But for me, like when it comes to the filter, the people that I pay attention to, like that matters to me. Like because mm-hmm. my family is very, very important to me. Yeah, you know yeah. who I am as a father, that who am I as a spouse. Is, yeah, you're right. Because character, right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the only thing that you have is who you are. Mm-hmm. And when you leave, what are people going to say about you? Mm-hmm. And if I were going to have an ego in anything, that's the one thing I have is I want people it's impossible to say bad things about me because if you do, everyone else is going to call you out as a liar because you're like, yeah. you didn't know him. So where are we at? How do you, oh goodness, I w- we need to have him back on. <laughs> how do you just, I, let's end on, on this. What, how do you separate that though with, uh, with giving permission to fail, right? Because you're going to offend people. You're going right. to make mistakes and right. hurt people. So how do you do that and still maintain this uh, people? It's not a people pleaser. Yeah, because I don't care about what people think. Right. right. 51-49 okay. is what I go off on that. 51 beats 49 every single time to be majority. Okay. And so if I do just enough to touch enough people, you'll know what kind of feedback you're getting in. And I don't need everyone. I just need 51. I don't care about the other 49. I'm going to re-listen to this episode. I need to hear that. <laughs> I need to hear that. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's because it, at the end of the day, what matters most is the people you touch along the way. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I guess if I die tomorrow and more people say negative things than positive things about me, then in my opinion, I failed. I won't yeah. know anything else because I died. Right. I'm not here. But I have a pretty good inclination of the people that I do know. It's happened because people start rumors, right? You guys have both been successful in life. Mm-hmm. People make up stories in their own head about yeah. you yeah. and then share that story with someone else. Yeah. Or they share it with you. Or if they share it with me, great. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'd prefer that, right? Yeah. Come to me. You know? Well, not, a, yeah, I mean more like you did this. I'm like, sure. Well, I didn't though. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I'm willing to have a heatful conversation about yeah. that because I enjoy that a lot because the stories that people tell themselves are way more true in their head than it is in real life. Right. And I love to get into that with people. But my point to all of that is, is that people uh, as a whole know what the positive is. Right. I, I think it's this time now more than ever is really challenging because if you get on social media, the world's ending. Mm-hmm. Oh, always, every day. <laughs> it's ending. But if you talk to your neighbor, you talk to anyone that's on the street or in the grocery store, ain't that bad. Mm. Yeah. And I apply that same perspective to what I said about the one, you know, egotistical thing that I would say about mm-hmm. me. Because I want more people are going to know that they're going to look at me based on the, my philosophy, my teachings and stuff like that. You might not like me, but you can't disagree with some of the things that I've done. Guaranteed. Right. There's no way. That's, I guess I have this... The, the same focus and it's more of I want I want to have a reputation to where if someone says something bad about me someone else person, defends you or at least questions them and says that doesn't sound like Jake right that's I wonder if he was having an off day because I'm I'm flawed I'm gonna make mistakes right but I will always make it right right and I will always put people's I will always put people before myself that's to a fault sometimes and I think that 
I need some more maturing in that, but definitely, you know, I, I always connect things to fitness, 16 years in the fitness world, you know, you, you do it all day long. I think of a mom, a selfless mom that will put their kids in front of them all the time. They'll make their lunches. They'll have this like great lunch. And then they're going to go eat something at McDonald's on the way from dropping them off at like swim lessons or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you have to feed yourself healthy to be able to take care of your kids. You have to be the example because kids watch well mm-hmm. outside of that. And all mm-hmm. those same things apply in life right? To anyone else. If it's the team of people that you led and grew in a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it works because Bader is a great example. That was not a, a smooth transition when I left there. I kind of smoothed over that, but it wasn't a smooth transition at all. Um, and 32 people left in 90 days Wow! after I left there. And it was because it was a smear campaign internally, unfortunately, wow. about who I was. Like, it was like Voldemort is with a couple of employees. <laughs> of you can't say his name, like with Ken at Bonnernew. Um, but 32 people left over a period of a couple months wow. because they were saying something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's affirming. So that's, that's, you know, that's my, you know, litmus test for life. Because what I did there is what I'm still doing now. I'm just doing it on more scale. Mm. And that's what you take with you, not, not the... I take all the positives, you know, um, those two owners, I, I, I have much love for them. Um, if I saw either of them walking down the street right now, I'd probably go up and give them a hug. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have a really weird altercation with one afterwards. Like they gave me the finger when they drove by, like I waved and they gave me the finger and I was like, oh, okay. You know, but <laughs> that's okay. He's having a bad day. That's a, magnif- that's <laughs> right. a magnifying glass on yeah. his right. character. Though. To- not, not, totally, you know. <laughs> totally. You know, but that's, that's, that's how it, it is. And I would say words of encouragement for someone that is, wants to go through that and they're scared to, or they're going through it right now. Like it's, it's such a simple thing, but it's so true. Like this, sh- this too shall pass. Like mm-hmm. I promise you it will pass. It won't pass if you put your head down in the sand, you know, like what is it, an ostrich? Mm-hmm. It will pass if you press forward. And I use this a lot. It's pretty cool. So like you guys know in Salt Lake, Utah, there's, I mean, if you've ever been to Salt Lake, Utah, you can see it. Like there's just like this flat, flat, it's everything's flat one side. Like if you look out and you think you're in Denver or something where you just look and it's just completely flat mm-hmm. and then you turn around and then you just see scaling mountains. Like, it's just crazy. Like, they come out of out of nowhere. Like, even more than here, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like that that stark contrast. And so, I don't know if you guys know this. This is really cool. But so, but there's a lot of buffalo, right, native to that area. and But there's a lot of cattle, like a lot of ranchers and that things like that. Do you know buffalo have a three-to-one ratio of life expectancy over cattle? They live I, on the... I happen to know that because my lifelong dream is to have a bison ranch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Start something new. Do you, yeah. do you know why though? Like if, when it comes to like culturally or not, I don't even know what it is, but behaviorally what a Buffalo does versus what a cow does. Uh, I mean, they're a lot more independent. They're a lot more self-sufficient. Right. But, yeah. But and you gotta you? think most cattle are like protected, right? They got yeah. people that like uh, they they're domesticated. Ranches. Yeah. They're going around Little feeding babies. them. They're like, they're protecting they help them. birthing. But <laughs> This is this is the cool thing, and, and they used it in Salt Lake, and I did this at a leadership course, and they, they went through and showed a video on it and everything. It was really p- impactful. Is essentially when when a bad weather storm is coming through, mm-hmm. cattle hunker down, but bison move through the storm mm-hmm. because they know if the faster that they keep moving forward, stay warm, they'll get on the other side of the oh. storm. The other side of the storm. Ah, oh. instead of just, just weathering it. it out. Oh, that's good. That is good. So that's gonna be my new favorite analogy. <laughs> so, whatever you're going through right now, 
if you're sitting down and hunkering down in it, you're weathering the storm. Mm. And that is sucking the life out of you versus getting up and move forward. Plow through it. And we have so many titles that we could use for this. Don't be a cow, be a bison. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, and so, I mean, that's, that's what I encourage people to do is wherever you're at, just move forward. Mm. You know, progress, no matter how little is, is more beneficial than steady still. You can't, have you ever tried to ride a bike and like keep the pedals like parallel to the ground and just not pedal? Mm. Doesn't work out. Doesn't work out (laughs) very well. Right. But if you pedal, no matter the direction you pedal, you have movement forward. Yeah. Failures will happen. You'll learn from those failures. And then at some point you will eventually get to a place you really want to be. Yeah. I can't think of a better ending right there. That was beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Based on that though, I mean, what, what can our listeners, what can we do for you? Nothing. I mean, uh, this has been awesome. You know, I have a monologue on conversations, you know, and I've had some guests and stuff. I want to get more into the guests. So, you know, so if people want to go on there, I have a lot of philosophies. I have a lot of in-depth things that yeah. I talk, something I speak on a lot is perception and perspective and understanding how your perception controls all perspective. And the cool thing about perception is you control it, right? Mm-hmm. It's your own mindset mm-hmm. that controls your perception. So, you know, if people go listen to it on there. Um, and then, you know, hit me up, you know, if anyone's got any questions on social media or anything like that, you can go search me in Ken O'Connick. Ken O'Connick is a palindrome, K-E-N-O-K-O-N-E-K. So it's spelled same backwards and forwards. <laughs> Never fun fact for cool. you. Never well, realized this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stanley, Stanley Yelnats, right? From Poles, if you <laughs> yep, know that, yep. spelled backwards and forwards. So yeah, uh, you can go on there and, you know, do that. I mean, if anyone's got anything like that, reach out. I'm, I'd love to help. So you're just looking for guests. Well, That's, you're not handpicking. No, I'm not even looking for anything. If someone reaches out and they want to talk, let's talk. I, I believe in perpetuity of, of giving away, right? Beacon does a really great job at that. You know, it, it's a great example. I literally was on a phone call in the car while right over here. This lady, crazy. She lives in Kodiak. She's having quad quads, four Oof. kids, natural, like complete light. It's the only one, second one in Alaska. Well, Beacon is a digital marketing company. He's like, you have to be able to spend $5,000 minimum with us per month to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, she can't afford that. Right. But she has a really big goal and a dream and what she wants to do. And so we're going to spend, you know, the next two or three, you know, hours of calls to, to just point her in the right direction. Cause I want to help anyone, no matter what for free, mm-hmm. that karma is going to come back somewhere or another. I believe in that. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I do too. That's so, the go giver. So, so if anyone wants to reach out. Yeah. I was going to say, so some business owner wants to get a hold of you. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, if they want to get a hold of me and they want to talk business about marketing and that type of thing, which absolutely would love, just email me at Ken at Beacon MM. So like MNM dot com, you know, mm.com, or you can even go to beaconmm.com and just anywhere you can reach out on there, chat bot, you know, connect, book a consultation. You got direct access to my schedule right there on the website. And we're going to plug you into the, the Facebook community too. TLDR. Yeah. And we'll get that all the, all his email and stuff in the show notes as well. Yeah. Perfect. Anything else? I think we're good. That was, that was excellent. We might have to have you on for another you know, hour or two again. <laughs> yeah, I this mean, is probably the longest episode. Uh, no, we had Michael's like an hour and a half. Oh yeah, Buzzbuzz was fun. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I mean, we could easily gone the two, two hours. marketing guys, right? Or actually, Who there's three. That now? They talk a lot. No, just kidding. We <laughs> have a lot, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything you want to dig into, I'm definitely down for it. That was awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. Uh, until next time, guys. Progress over perfection. Thank you.